Good morning, Thrive Life community. I hope you all are having a fabulous day. It is quite lovely and warm outside, although I really actually kind of take a bit of exception with that because it's January and I would like some cold weather. Although I do have it on good authority that by this weekend, we are supposed to get down into the 30s and 40s. And I know some of you out there here in Texas land might be cursing me saying I'm excited about that, but I am actually excited about having some colder weather. I just want to feel like there's a change of season. I grew up in the north. We had different seasons, and I would just like it to feel like it was a bit different than already spring. So I'm looking forward to the cooler weather. I hope you are looking forward to the cooler weather. And if you're not, well, just celebrate it anyway, because it probably won't last long. At least we didn't have any freezes this year like we did last year. So I hope you all had a great week. I want to give a shout out to the beautiful Jamie Norad this morning because she is celebrating her 25th birthday today. Happy birthday, beautiful. So blessed to have you in my life. You are an amazing young woman. I absolutely adore are you so glad I got to celebrate a bit with you last night so we are going to dig into some different topics today so I'm going to talk a little bit about grief um, in the beginning so it's a little bit something heavy but then we're going to go into something fun and I'm going to talk about building adventure and joy into your life and sort of creating the life that you want um, as opposed to you know what the expectations tell you so I'm going to help you kind of create something new today so that should be fun so as always I am so thrilled to be here with you live from the ACU of Texas studios on vinyl draft radio this is my favorite place to be every week so I love coming to get to chat with you Give you my 411 on things, have some wonderful guests on, but y'all just get me today. So if you're new to my show, I'm Amy, your host and certified nutritionist. And on today's Thriving Five, why we fear grief. Okay, so this is this is an interesting topic, and I wasn't really sure I was going to talk about this today um, because it's kind of a raw one for me. Um, so I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I'll just give you a bit of a precursor as to why I'm going to discuss this topic today. So um, a few weeks ago, actually on Christmas Eve day, my cousin Valerie, who is my age, she's just a couple months younger than me. She's had um, breast cancer for many, many years and had been doing pretty well. And then we got the terrible news that she only had a few days to live a couple days before Christmas. And so she passed away on Christmas Eve day. And of course, it was very traumatic and extremely shocking and not something that any of us were anticipating at all. And so the grief was very, very, very intense. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that. So but today is her um, her service. So she her family, her and her family live in England. They've been there for about 20 years. So it wasn't something I was able to go to, but her service was this morning. So I've been thinking about this, of course, for about the last 24 hours. And actually yesterday I was sitting down and talking with a friend that I hadn't seen since before the holidays. And so I was explaining, um, you know, what happened and it was actually, it was so raw. It was very difficult for me to kind of hold it together. So I had to kind of, wasn't a place where I could just kind of let that grief go. So I had to kind of, you know, pull that back in at the moment. Um, but I want to talk about, you know, grief and kind of what it is and what an important emotion it is for us to go through and kind of why we're afraid of it. Um, cause it is a very strong emotion. And of course, you know, this is something that's very, um, pertinent in my life right now with the loss of my cousin because she was like more like a sibling to me than a cousin we grow up together we spent a lot of summers together a lot of time together got into a lot of trouble together just ask my mom about the time where we got grounded and we dyed her hair black and she had to go get it stripped out and we were in so much trouble <laughs> it's a great story but not not to our moms but to us it was pretty funny so anyway so you have to find some laughter in the in the moments of grief so 
whenever we have a big loss, um, it's normal to be sad. Um, it's normal to go through those, the feelings of sadness, the feelings of pain, but it's so uncomfortable for us and for people around us that we usually want to try to find a way to not go through it. Um, I was listening to this really interesting podcast this morning that my friend um, Dr. Thea Taylor had recommended to me. Um, it's it's Rich Roll's podcast, and he had a guest on. Um, he's a I think he's a journalist, um, Johan Hari. And so some of the things that he had been um, researching over the past couple of years was uh, depression and connection and like the underlying causes of depression and kind of going through some of the different aspects of it. Because we are very quick to say, well, when someone's depressed, that it's just a chemical imbalance. And that actually is a biological fact. So it's not that's we're not throwing that out. There is there are things that are going on. And sometimes that is the thing that's going on. But there's also the psychological aspect, which is how you how you think and how you think about yourself. And then there's a the social aspect as well. So a lot of what he was talking about was the social aspect of connection when it comes to depression. And in, in discussing that, he's talking about what are the underlying things going on when someone is going through that kind of a time in their life. And a lot of times what it is, it's emotion that's not being expressed. It's connection, no more, you know, the lack of human connection that's not being made to support us and allow us to go through that. And our discomfort with, you know, feeling feelings, our discomfort with feeling emotion, our discomfort with feeling grief. And it is uncomfortable, especially when it comes up out of nowhere and you don't really want to deal with it at that moment. It is an uncomfortable thing thing, but it's so important. And I love one of the things that he said, particularly about grief, is that grief is a testament to love. If you grieve, it's because you have loved and you have loved with an incredible depth when you have incredible grief over the loss of someone. And I thought that was so beautiful. And it almost made me cry this morning, but it didn't happen. And I was ready to allow it this morning because I had, I was in a place where that was completely fine for me to do that. Um, but I thought that was such a beautiful thing because it's very, very true. You know, the depth of grief that you feel, and it's almost like it, I can tell you just from, because this is such a raw thing and has happened just in the past few weeks for me, that it's almost like you feel it in every, when it, when it comes up and I don't stay there all the time, but when it comes up, it's almost like you feel it in every cell of your body. It just washes over you. It envelops you and you feel it everywhere. And for me in particular, which is where I feel a lot of emotion most of the time. And I always, I do always challenge people, you know, when you have emotion come up, where do you feel it in your body? Um, Because once you identify where you feel it, then you can start the process of working through. So for me, where I usually feel things like that is, is in my chest and in my chest and maybe through my shoulders, um, sometimes up into my neck. Um, So for me, but the grief a lot is in my chest and it's almost like this it's like a crushing feeling, like I'm, like everything's going to concave in is kind of the way it feels. It's very, very intense. And when to allow myself to go through that is so uncomfortable because you just want it to go away. It's like, what can I do to make this stop? What can I do to not feel this? And so in the past, my pattern of not wanting to feel the feel grief over whatever it was or feel, you know, what I would consider not bad emotions, but more uncomfortable emotions. Um, my, my tendency in the past would be to find some way to distract myself. So it wouldn't be, you know, for me, it wouldn't be finding something to numb it in like a, you know, whether that was alcohol, drugs, or, you know, gambling, shopping, any of those type of things. Those weren't the things I gravitated towards. My, what I gravitated toward to distract myself was let me find something to do. So let me, you know, clean the house or let me go, you know, 
let me go run errands or, you know, let me cook a bunch of food or let me make dinner or something like that. So that was my way of dealing with it. So I wouldn't have to actually sit and feel the emotion or it was, you know, let me take care of something for somebody else. Not that that's a bad thing, but in that sit in that state, it's not healthy because I'm not allowing myself to go through the process of the healing. And so I'm trying to distract myself. And so there's multiple ways that we can distract ourselves from going through and working on those emotions and allowing them to be um, what they are and identifying for what they are and then working through the process of getting them out of the body. And that can also happen in multiple ways. That might be something that you're just sitting sitting by yourself and being quiet and processing it yourself. You might need to seek out um, professional help. So getting with a therapist, a counselor, a life coach, something along those lines to let them walk you through the process. And Or it might be that you have you know, some friends or family that can come and sit with you, or you can go to them and say, Hey, I'm having, I'm having a meltdown. Can I please come over and just, you know, just sit with you. And so this is, this is part of the important piece that I wanted to talk about as far as what um, Johan Hari was discussing. And a lot of what he saw in his research over the past, I think it's been like the past three or four years that he's been kind of researching. And a big part of his focus was on connection. I wish I'd written down the name of the book that he just wrote because it was something about connection and I didn't write it down, but you could go and look. It's one of the newer podcasts for Rich Roll and maybe I'll, I'll try to add that to, try to remember to add that to the Facebook video once I, or the video once I post that out next week. Um, But he was talking about one of the big underlying issues, and this is just one, this is not the only problem. Um, One of the underlying issues that he saw with people suffering from, you know, quote unquote, mental illness and depression and anxiety is a lack of connection and a feeling of intense loneliness. And, you know, in this world where we are so overconnected, we actually have a lot of lonely people, you know, back so many, you know, over time, so let's just say over thousands, the past thousands of years, we've always been in some sort of tribe. And I don't want th- that to sound like a negative thing, like this tribal war. And that's not what I'm talking about. We've always lived in tribes and in community with connection. That's how we survived. We depended on each other for that. And this is the first time in history where we've really kind of isolated and separated ourselves. You know, we have our own homes and we have our own vehicles and, you know, food comes in to the grocery store. So we're not dependent on our neighbors, you know, to provide food food for us or trade food. So, you know, houses are built for us by companies. They're not built by the necessarily by someone in our immediate community. Um, so we, for the first time in history, we don't have this community anymore. So we've lost a lot of that connection. In fact, it's interesting to me that, um, and this is not everybody, of course, but it's so common today. If you were to ask someone, you know, do you have, um, Or how many friends do you have that you could call in a crisis? And a a large number of people, more so than, you know, maybe back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, even a large number of people say none. They don't have anyone they could call in a crisis. And so I would say the crisis then is loneliness in this lack of connection and this lack of, of a support system, which is so incredibly important. And, you know, for someone like me who, you know, I've always had lots of friends and and a great family support, but I tried to do everything on my own. I tried to go through everything on my own. So this past year has been this learning process of letting people in and allowing that community to support me and allowing my friends and family to see the grief and see the pain. And although I know it's uncomfortable for them, I know how important it is and how important it is for them to be able to sit with me as I go through that. And I can tell you some of the biggest breakthroughs I've had recently has been having someone sit there and let me go through something that was really 
hard. Um, one of my best friends, she's always on, she's on the show every month, um, Dr. Deb. So she's one of my best friends. And, um, a week or two ago when she got back from break, I had all of this stuff going on because like the week before was Val's passing and this past year, it's just been really challenging. And, she allowed me this space. She had, we had this whole conversation about all these different, really difficult things. And she just allowed me this space to just cry and, you know, be sad and feel hurt and feel pain. And I can tell you that, and it was like a couple hours. So, and, and so we do this for each other, which is also such an amazing gift, but I can tell you, and we were actually talking about this last night, that that conversation broke things for me so that and and it was the connection that we had and her allowing the space for me to go through the pain and for her to sit with and even if she was uncomfortable she just hung in there with me you know she hung in there with me and sat with me and that connection was such a huge piece of the puzzle because I could have gone through that by myself and it would have been hard and I would have eventually made it out on the other side but the connection of having another human being just sit with you was huge it made such a drastic difference Um, So the connection is important. Another really interesting thing that he kind of talked about, um, he he described this story of, and he was more talking about antidepressants here, and I'm not going to talk about that because that's not my expertise, but he was talking about those stories back in 2001 um, of a man in Cambodia and they were just bringing antidepressant medications into that area. And the doctors there didn't really understand what, what that meant and what it was. So they were asking a lot of questions. And um, so once it was explained to them what the antidepressant did, they're like, oh, well, we, we prescribe antidepressants. And they're like, oh, well, they're thinking it was like some herbal remedy or something like that. Like, oh, well, can you explain what that means? So they gave this explanation of this man who had um, stepped on a landmine. He was a rice field worker. He stepped on a landmine and lost one of his legs. And... You know, after so many months, he had a prosthetic. He went back into the fields, but he was in so much pain and he was crying all the time and then he wouldn't get out of bed. So their prescription was that they went and sat with him and talked to him and allowed him to share his pain and his grief of the loss and the trauma. And their prescription for him that they called the antidepressant was that, oh, well, let's get you a cow so you can be a dairy farmer um, so that we can, because the underlying problem was all of the pain and the grief and everything. And it was hard for him to work in the fields again. And so the prescription was a dairy cow (laughs) so that he could be a dairy farmer and that he wouldn't have to go and be in that. And within months, the depression was completely gone and everything had been lifted. So it's again, you know, talking about the connection, they sat with him, they identified what was underneath it, and they allowed him to go through the grief and the pain of the loss. And I just thought it was such a beautiful and pertinent story for me right now of, and for our, my whole family of just allowing each other to go through the grief and the pain, however it shows up, because it's going to show up different for everybody, but it's okay. It is going to be uncomfortable, but I just want to give you permission today to go through whatever needs to come up for you, allow it to come in, allow it to wash over you, get help where you need to, but it's okay to feel grief because it means you have loved with so much depth. So I hope that helps somebody out there listening today. I'm going to get to a bit more of a lighter conversation as we come back here and say, when is the last time you went on an adventure? Welcome back, everyone. So glad to be with you this morning. As always, I absolutely love this time of the week, getting to spend this hour with you, chatting about what's on my mind, what is coming up for people around me, what people are thinking about, talking about, and how I can help you navigate your life to create that thriving life that we are all looking for. So in the last segment, if you're just joining me, I was talking about grief um, and kind of our fear of it and why it's so important for us to be able to go through the 
process of grieving. And I know that's kind of a heavy topic for the morning or afternoon if you're listening to a replay. So I know that's kind of a heavy topic, but I think it's a really important one. And it's so interesting because, and I'll get to the light stuff in a minute. It's it's interesting because, and maybe it's just because of where I'm at right now that I'm going through this process myself, that I'm seeing all of this information everywhere popping up about our problem with, um, you know, allowing ourselves to go through intense emotion, our fear of going through intense emotion and our fear of supporting others as they go through it. We're very quick to say, you know, you know, there's something really wrong here. You know, we need to, we need to do something about this and what we might need to do. And again, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to say don't take medication because I, I believe there's absolutely a place for it. Um, and it might be a necessary thing, but what also might be a necessary thing to add is sitting with someone and allowing them to go through whatever emotion they're, you know, they need to go through. I think it's an important piece. And again, I think there is, even though grief is a difficult thing, And it comes up in weird ways and it will come up out of nowhere. Just let me tell you. But it's such an important thing. And I think there's also, um, especially the way that the journalist I was speaking about, Johan Hari, was describing it, is that grief means that you have loved. And I think that, you know, there is some incredible beauty in that, in that you have had that connection, you know, speaking about having that connection with people and the importance of the connection, importance of friendship and family and support in your tribe. Um, you know, I call it my tribe of vitality because they're just with you through thick and thin and they will call you out on your BS. But those people will allow you to go through it. And I'm so grateful that I can, you know, definitely name off five people in my life and probably, you know, actually a few more than that, but five people in my life for sure that if I'm in a crisis, I can call them and say, I need you right now. And they will drop everything. They would drop everything. And so my hope for you today and something for you to think about is who are those five people? Do you have those five people in your life that you could call the drop of a hat and they can be there for you? And if you don't, it's okay. There's not something wrong with you and you're not broken, but I would, I would say, cultivating that one relationship, even where you have someone you can count on could re- can absolutely change your life. It can change your life because that connection and that friendship and that support is so critical for us as human beings. We are wired for connection. We are wired for relationship. It's not normal for us to be alone and isolated. And I know people say, well, I'm an introvert, so I don't, you know, need friendships. And excuse me, it doesn't mean that you, you need to be the life of the party. It just means you, you need this. You still require that. You still require that connection, at least that one person. You don't even have to talk to them all the time. You can just, you know, talk to them once in a while or, you know, you know, be there for just being there for each other when you need each other. But that connection is important. That relationship is important. And if you are in the grieving process, it is okay. Go through it. Do what you need to do. Take care of yourself, but allow yourself to go through the process. Allow yourself to feel all the feels and all the uncomfortable stuff, but all the beauty on the other side. There was this really amazing post, and I actually have to pull it up because I don't remember exactly what it said, by um, Elizabeth Gilbert. She lost her her wife last year, and... Um, it was, you know, really sad. And she actually shared this beautiful picture of her not too long ago um, where she had gone over to one of those friends who could just be there for you. And it's a picture of her, her friend sitting on the couch and she's laying on the couch, you know, next to her curled up in a blanket and just, you could tell a lot of pain and grief. And her friend was just sitting there with her and allowing her to go through it. And it was such a, I felt, I felt like it was such a beautiful picture of, of support and love um, for someone who was going through something so tragic and so difficult. It was, I just loved it. I just has really stuck with me. So, but she had written this just little segment of a post 
And I had added it to one of mine on Instagram um, a few months back. So she was talking about the loss of her love who had passed away. And she was feeling grief for her loss. But she was also, but she also laughed and ate and drank with friends. And she sang with strangers. She danced alone. She dove into a novel. And she'll cry. Um, but also love the day at the same. So you can have both emotions in the same day. You can feel complete joy and feel complete grief. And you can have those both in the same day. And she said, you know, grief is not an interruption of your life, but a braided into the soul aspect of it. We weep and we continue with rejoicing and gratitude and the rejoicing and gratitude, especially if it's lost like this, you know, this, um, this day where my cousin is, her funeral is today, um, in England. So that's why I'm here and not there. Um, but a rejoicing of the fact that I got to spend all of those years with such a beautiful person and that I am so grateful that I, you know, that she was a part of my life and I got to be a part of her life. And my life is absolutely better for having known her and having been a part of that with all of the craziness that we were doing when we were teenagers and getting in a lot of trouble, um, you know, to going to school together in California and just and then just the progression of seeing her life and getting to see her and her family, you know, grow and her beautiful children and, you know, knowing her, her amazing in-laws and, you know, my, her sister, um, Heather, whom I love and adore and her parents and just being able to be a part of all of those people's lives is just life-changing and I'm so grateful for it even with the loss of her today I'm so grateful for it so I'm going to kind of segue in from that sadness <laughs> into a bit of a lighter topic which is adventure and how do you create some joy and adventure in your life and this you might be saying what what does that mean well I was having this conversation a few days ago with a good friend of mine and we were discussing going on adventures and so he was sort of challenging me what kind of adventures am I going to go on this year and not just say oh I'd like to do this or that but actually scheduling them in so I'm in the process of doing that so I think going on adventures or having some kind of adventure in your life and that doesn't mean you need to travel and spend lots of money that's not what that means um, but I think having some kind of adventure in your life where you where you have that kind of zest and zeal and love for life, where you want to experience new things. And so, and experiencing new things could be that, uh, you know, maybe you go for a walk somewhere different, or, you know, you reach out to a different friend or, you know, you, you know, take a drive, you know, it can be really simple. It doesn't need to be something substantial, or maybe your adventure is that you're starting a new business or you're leaving an old job or, you know, starting a family or you're getting married or you're starting a new relationship. Those are adventures too. So, it doesn't have to be any specific thing. Um, it's just whatever it is for you. So the adventures for me over the past few months have been my weekly coffee adventures. If you follow me on Facebook, I think I posted one last, did I, po I did post one last week. So if you follow me on Facebook, I since probably August of last year, Almost every Sunday, I go to a different place in the Houston area, to a different coffee shop, and I'm trying out their coffee, and I'm checking out the place, the ambiance, and all of that kind of stuff, and then I'm kind of reporting back. Um, and the reason I decided to do that was because I needed some, I needed an adventure. I was kind of stuck in a rut doing the same thing every day. And it's not that that's a bad thing, but for me, it just felt stagnant. It felt like I was not experiencing life. And so this is something I do on my own. Occasionally I'll have a friend join me, but most of the time I'm doing it on my own. I'm going there and reading and just enjoying my coffee and doing work or something along those lines. And I started this again, every single week and then kind of reporting back because I felt like I needed something different. I needed, you know, to change my environment. And 
So the interesting thing about doing some kind of adventure where you're changing your environment, and I've talked about this before, as the is you know, is when it comes to changes. When you change your environment, you can change who you are because you can change your perspective on things. It's hard. You stay stagnant and you don't really grow, or at least it just takes a lot longer to grow when you're stay, when you're staying in the same place all the time. And again, doesn't mean you have to go travel like what I'm doing, but when you can change your environment, it changes your perspective again. That rewires new patterns in the brain and allows you growth. It allows you to change. You Again, you see those new perspectives. You get new ideas. Your creativity goes up. You know, all of those things start happening when you create some adventure in your life. And again, adventure can be anything. So... My adventure has been my coffee tour, my coffee journey, going to all these places and trying out different coffees and, you know, sitting in different places. And I've met some cool people in, in some of the coffee shops I've been to and had great conversations. And some of them, we've actually kind of become friends since then, which is also really cool. So it kind of broadened my horizon and opened me up to some different experiences. It also, even though I'm a pretty social person, it kind of brought even more of that out of me and that willingness to like talk to a stranger, which can be even for me where i'm pr- i'm pretty social it can it can feel a little uncomfortable when you're around everybody that you don't know. So even that for me is an adventure of, you know, of reaching out and making those connections and talking to new people and meeting new people and bringing those people into my life. And so it's been a really really cool experience. So this year my my goal is that every month i'm going to go on a little journey over a weekend and I'm it's somewhere I can drive because I, I, I don't want to spend a bunch of money. So it has to be somewhere I can drive and probably just Airbnb it. But um, every month I want to go somewhere over a weekend and just experience a different area of Texas or, you know, maybe go into Louisiana or wherever it is I'm going to be going. And the challenge then is to not just say that I'm going to do this, but actually schedule it and do it. And that's another important aspect of creating the adventure is it's great to say, I would like to do this, or this sounds like fun. And, and my challenge to you now is if there's things that are rolling around in your brain, since we're starting at the beginning of the month and you know, this is January resolutions, although y'all know how I feel about making resolutions, but build in some adventure this year. What is it that you love? What is fun for you? And when is the last time you did something you loved and was fun? It's so interesting. I'll, I've, I ask this question to clients quite a bit, especially when they talk about, you know, maybe <clears throat> things that are coming up for them, you know, in the evening when they start to get quiet or, you know, they're feeling bored. Um, And so they're kind of eating because they feel bored. And so we start having this conversation. Well, what do you like to do for fun? And even when people ask me this question, I have to kind of think about like, what what do I like to do for fun? And there's been times where people have asked me that question and I didn't really have an answer. Like, um... guess I like to read. (laughs) And that was kind of, which I love reading too, but I didn't really have an answer for that. And it's interesting that a lot of people, when you have this conversation, and of course I had this conversation with clients, but I also have this conversation, you know, just with friends or family, you know, what do you like to do for fun? What do you enjoy? And a lot of the time you get blank stares. So what are we doing? Why, what are we doing to ourselves that we're not allowing fun and joy and adventure into our lives because we're so focused and fixated on being just being productive and being in this world where it's go, go, go. And you need to, you know, we have all these expectations on us. And I'm going to talk about that a bit more in a minute because my mom sent me this great article this morning. Thank you, mom. I did read it and I'm going to incorporate it today because it's what I've been kind of been thinking about. But when is the last time you did this? And if, and if I'm asking you this question here, so just take a moment and try to think about what is it you like to do for fun? What lights you up? 
what makes you happy. And it could be something that you've done recently. It could be something you did when you were a little kid that used to love. Um, like maybe you used to love to color. I used to love to color and I do have adult coloring books. I'm just saying, just going to throw that out there. Although I don't, I haven't colored in them for a while, but they are really beautiful. Um, so maybe you liked to, I don't know, go on hikes. Maybe well, it's kind of hard to hike here in Houston. Uh, you can find some places, but it's a little bit difficult. We don't have mountains. Someone was talking to me recently about uh, Texas mountains, and I just gave them this look like, are you kidding me? Because I'm from Wyoming and Montana originally, so I have seen real mountains, and we do not have mountains here. They are hills. So, um, But what do you like to do for fun? So for me, Things that I love to do that just light me up, number one, is being here on the radio. I absolutely love it. It's one Again, it really, truly is one of my absolute favorite things to do every week. It's just the most fun thing for me. It just brings me an incredible amount of joy to be here. Even if I'm talking about something difficult, it is just there's this amazing amount of joy that comes you know, in and out and through me when I'm sitting here on, on the radio with you all because I love it. Um, I love coffee. Most of you know that I do actually really love coffee, but I, I love drinking coffee, but I also love my adventures of going to these different coffee shops and, you know, trying out different places and seeing different parts of the city. It's just fun for me. I enjoy, I enjoy the process of even driving there, even in traffic. I like the process of driving and going to these places and then sitting and enjoying my coffee and reading my book or listening to music or whatever it is I'm doing. I love it. It's fun. I love to spend time with friends. I love going out to eat with friends. I love to go dancing with friends. I will, I dance and sing all of the time. If I'm in my car, I have music on, I'm singing. If I'm like cooking dinner and I have music on, I am singing and dancing. So, and of course, if, if you all saw my recent Facebook post where I'm dancing because I got to eat kimchi fries and they were fabulous. So I made up a little dance for it because that's just what I do. But those things are so joyful to me. They are just, it's just fun. I love to sing and dance with my friends, um, especially Carrie. I know you're listening live today. I love you, Carrie from Switzerland we are like dancing machines and when we're in the car together we are singing machines just saying we have such a great time and again it brings us joy and makes us laugh and we just have an absolute great time so I love to spend time with friends I do love to sit and read a book a really good book. I can get lost in a book. I love to draw. I can get lost for hours working on a picture. I usually just do pencil. I don't really do charcoal anymore, just pencil drawings. Um, but I love to draw. And so those are some of the things that bring me joy. I like to go for walks. I like to go for a drive. I love, even if it's by myself, I'm totally fine with that. I like to take myself out for dinner. It's fun. (laughs) It might not sound fun to some of you out there, but I actually really enjoy the process of doing that and just sitting with myself and enjoying a great meal. So those are some of the things that bring me joy. So those are some of the things that are, you know, my own adventures. Um, so I felt like it was important to talk about that today because so many of us don't do that anymore. We go to work, we have the things that we need to do when we get home. And it's not that those things aren't important. I mean, we, you know, we, we have to pay bills, so we need to work and, you know, there's things that we have to take care of. There's responsibilities that we have. And so it's not discounting those things, but when you, as you schedule all of that stuff into your life. So as you're scheduling like your day for work, as you're scheduling, you know, things for your family, things for your children that they have going on, it's really important to schedule things for yourself, for your own adventure. And I want to take that self-care. And I actually think my mom sent me something about this last week too, about like the different way to look at self-care. And I'd been seeing some things about this that I really liked the way it was explained that yes, self-care can be, you know, taking a hot bubble bath, you know, a hot bath with, you know, music playing or candles, or maybe a glass of wine, if that's what you love, you know, self-care could be going to the spa. It could be so many, you know, so many of those types of things, but self-care can also be 
like my coffee journey, going out to these different coffee shops every because I enjoy it. Self-care could be making up a silly dance um, when you're with your friends just because it brings you joy. It could be sitting down with a great book. It could be, you know, going for a walk. It could be going for a drive, all those kind of things that I said. That's also self-care. So it's not just doing those spa-like things. And that's the first thing that comes to our mind and even the meditation. And yes, you know, y'all know I'm a huge fan of meditation and it's something that I do every single day. If I miss it, I know it. So I do not miss doing my meditation. And so that is also self-care, but I just want to take it a level deeper and say, all of these other things are self-care too. And the, some of the different people that I've worked with over the past few years, um, business-wise, And they talk about, you know, scheduling your day, making sure you schedule, you know, all of your time, you know, what it is that you're doing, because, you know, when you if you don't, you know, make a plan, then you kind of plan to fail. So we want to make a plan as far as what we're doing on a daily basis. But that does need to include yourself. So don't just plan your day. You don't just plan your work day. Don't just plan what you need to do as far as running errands and all that task work when you get home. Don't just plan things that are going on for your family. Plan also what are you doing for yourself? What is your self-care? How are you taking care of yourself? Are you getting together with a friend every single week, you know, at some point grabbing coffee or just going over to each other's houses? Again, it doesn't need to, you don't need to go out and spend a bunch of money to do this. It could just be, Hey, let's get together and hang out and make a pot of coffee and hang out at the house and just have a conversation and laugh and listen to music. Or maybe you're going to do batch cooking for the month or something like that. It doesn't really matter. That's also self-care. That's taking care of yourself because you're putting yourself into an environment that brings you joy, gives you fulfillment, fills your cup back up so that you have more to give. One of the most, one of the coolest explanations I have heard about giving of yourself was from Lisa Nichols. She was, um, I don't remember what I was listening to that she was talking about this, but she was talking about filling your cup up to overflowing. And then instead of constantly depleting your cup, when you're giving out to people, you're actually giving from your overflow. And the only way you create overflow is to build in this type of self-care, this type of adventure, this type of fun and excitement. And it's important. Fun and play are so, so important. It's probably one of the number, you know, I will, I won't say number one, top five things that, uh, you know, I usually recommend to people building into what they're doing. It's like, what what are you doing for fun? You need to let loose and have some fun and have and just kind of let your hair down a bit. What? A, and again, it doesn't matter what it is that is fun for you. It could be something super simple or super complex. It doesn't make any difference as long as you are building that in. Play is so critical because it brings you joy. And so from the physiological aspect, when you turn on the joy, when you're bringing that up, we consider that an elevated emotion. When you bring up an elevated emotion, you get a different cascade of chemicals in the body. You reduce the stress chemicals that are usually pumping for everybody, which cause inflammation and which cause illness over time. So bringing the joy and having some fun and doing adventures changes the chemical structure, different chemicals released into the body. You get a different outcome. You know, you get that lightness and you get that airiness and, you know, things start to correct themselves because you're not under stress constantly. So not only is it important just from a mental aspect, but also from a physiological aspect. So we're just bringing it full circle. So I hope that was a bit helpful for you. I'm going to talk about when we come back, you know, a, a bit more about how to bring the joy and, you know, getting into that quiet space, but also how to create your own life and kind of get outside the box. And what are the guidelines for life that you're going to put into place? Welcome back, Thrive Life community. 
So glad to be with you today. I hope you are all ready to create some adventure in your life, find something new to do, something, some new environment, some new thought patterns, you know, rewiring the rewiring those brains and bringing you some joy and some happiness over this next few weeks and hopefully through the rest of the year. So create some new adventure for yourself. And I was telling everybody in the last segment, if you're just joining me, you know, some of the ways that I create adventure is I go throughout the city of Houston to different coffee shops. And then I talk about them because there are so many coffee shops in Houston and there's more going in every day that I literally could probably go every single week. I usually go on the weekends. I could go every single week to a different spot and almost not cover all of them in a year. There are so many coffee shops here. It's, it's incredible. (laughs) So I have lots of adventures ahead of me. Um, So I hope there's ways that you're creating some adventure and bringing some joy into your life. Um, And again, just the importance of play, the importance of having fun and, you know, finding a way to bring some laughter because those elevated emotions, those elevated, those elevated, you know, states of being and those elevated feelings actually can completely change your physiology for the better. They can improve your health, they can improve your sleep, and they can improve your mood. So I know that sounds overly simplistic, but it's actually very, very important and very, very effective. So hopefully those are some things that you are looking to do this year. But I wanted to kind of walk into um, this article that my mom sent me literally this morning, which I thought was really good, Creating Guidelines for Living Your Happiest Life. And I thought it was a great, a great, great article because we do have these we have these expectations of these lives that we're supposed to live. So, you know, you, you finish high school, you go to college, you get married, you have babies, you work and then you retire and then you're done. So I think it's important to kind of challenge that as being the norm. I mean, I can remember being in my early twenties and, you know, before I was in a relationship, the question constantly was, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? When are you getting married? I remember being at a, um, a family dinner and I mean, I'm in my, you know, early to mid twenties at this point and having to sit at the children's table, which was fine because it was fun, but having to sit at the kids table because I wasn't married. And I just remember feeling like, well, why does that make me less of an adult? Um, if I'm not married and it was actually kind of hurtful at the time, you know, later, you know, as you understand people, you understand why those things were, you know, why those things were the way that they were. And so you can have some compassion for that. But at the time being, being, you know, a young woman and obviously, you know, only in my early twenties, like barely at the point of, you know, even thinking about getting married that I was made to feel like there was something wrong with me because I wasn't married. And then of course, later, or being in a relationship and being married, then it was like, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? Why aren't you having kids yet? Why aren't you having kids? And it was the, so it's like the constant conversation of why isn't this happening? Because this is the way that it goes. And this is normal. You know, you should be doing this, you know, and you know, now into my early forties, it's, it's, you know, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you establishing this? And again, when are you having children? (laughs) It's still kind of the constant conversation. And so I want to just challenge the idea that that, that progression of life where you're out of school, you know, you go to college, you get married, you have babies, you work, and then you retire and you're done. That, that does not need to be the way that it is. Um, it certainly can be. And if that is something that appeals to you and that speaks to your heart, then have at it, do it with everything that you have in your being, go for it. But if it's not, it's okay. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. If you're seeking out a different way to live your life. And I think, 
you know, part of what um, she said here in this article that I thought was really good, you know, giving the example of the demands that we put on ourselves to be certain ways in the world instead of just being ourselves and being our fun, crazy or, you know, whatever selves is <laughs> how I feel about myself. So she has this little um, segment here and I'm actually going to read it to you because I think it's really good. So the, I have to have everything under control. I have to be productive. I have to be selfless. I have to give, I have to be reliable. I have to get it right. I have to be thinner. I should be healthier. I have to be kind. Everything I do has to be justified and worthy. And, you know, she's saying that these demands and expectations are, and a lot of them are subconscious. We don't even realize they're there because they've probably been there a really long time. And, but once we start identifying, we can start, you know, shifting that we can start changing that, but they put so much pressure on us. So it's no surprise to me that people are super stressed out all the time or feeling like they have to go, go, go. And I can, this, I'm saying this even to myself from personal experience of feeling this need to always go and always be on and always be productive and making sure I'm getting things done, but at the same time, giving as much as I can to everybody else around me. And those things are innate within me, but they can be out of control as well because the pressure is there to do them instead of it just being, you know, I want to be productive just because that's a desire within me, or I want to give to people because that's a desire within me. It's an, we, we have created obligation around that. And I was actually having this conversation um, with a friend recently of, you know, recognizing those things in myself and you know, realizing that, oh my gosh, that's actually starting to change where I don't feel this obligation. Like I have to do all of this stuff. I can just like, I start challenging myself and asking myself the question, do I really want to do that? Do, am I really wanting to do that? Or am I trying to cover up, you know, again, like going through, through grief, like I was talking about in the beginning, do I really need to get up and do this right now? Or am I uncomfortable and I need to sit with some kind of pain or I need to sit with some kind of, you know, emotion, even maybe it's a good emotion and I need to sit and, you know, allow myself to process that instead of getting up and distracting myself from what is, what is going on inside. Um, but we put all of this pressure on ourselves and, and she calls it this, you know, the unconscious manual for living, which I, I actually kind of love that. So it's this manual for living that we've kind of all been told. And we've probably been told that since we were little kids. And so these ideas have been ingrained in us over the years um, that we're supposed to live life in a certain way. We're supposed to think certain things. We're supposed to want certain things and we're supposed to implement certain things. And so I want to challenge that that is not the case. You can build whatever kind of life you you want. But those patterns are usually very hardwired in. You know, we were talking about this a bit last week when it comes to change. So we've got those hardwired patterns where those neural pathways are really tight and really, you know, really like wound up together. And so it takes some time and identification to start pruning those apart. And then we want to rebuild and rewire new thought patterns, you know, neurons that wire to, or fire together, wire together. So we want to rewire those thought patterns, rewire new neuronal pathways so that we get new outcomes. We get new thought patterns. We get new behaviors. So as you start identifying things that maybe aren't really you, but they're things that you've been taught that you realize don't resonate with you anymore, that they're not actually who you want to be in the world, what you want to create in the world, you can start to shift those, but it takes some work. It doesn't usually just like all of a sudden, um, that's gone and new things are there. I can tell you, I have had things break, ideas break, and, you know, even recently, you know, things that I w had thought that I needed to be and do, I've had the, had those break, but when I, and it felt like it was immediate, but when I really consider it, I've been doing the work to get to that point of that coming up 
in that immediate moment and then that kind of just falling to the falling to the wayside where I could now start to create something new. But to create something new, again, it does take some work and it takes some time um, because you need to wire those pathways in. So if there's a new behavior pattern, a new thought pattern, um, whatever it is that you're wanting to create for your life, the best thing to do is to kind of, you know, sit with it and think about it every day, visualize it, picture it. What does it look like? But also what does it feel like? Um, it's really important to have those two come together in order to create a real sustainable change in the way that you think and the way that you feel. So you want to picture whatever it is, write it down, however it works, whatever resonates with you the new behavior, the new thing you're wanting for your life, the new thought pattern. And then what, even though you may not have it or feel or have that now, you want to think about what would it feel like when you have that? And once you kind of say, okay, well, if I think that, you know, I, what's a really good example. I'm going to have to think of something here really off the cuff. So (laughs) if let's just take my, my thing for this obligation of needing to do, do, do all the time. So if I don't want to do that anymore, I want to just do things for people, for myself based off of an actual desire to do that. So I want to do, that's, that's the thing I'm thinking. I want to do things because the desire is there, not because of the obligation. So what is it that I want? Not what I don't want. So I want to do things for people because I have the desire to do that. Then what would that feel like to me to do that? For, so for me, that would feel oh, relaxed, like, oh, the pressure is off. So I would feel relaxed and calm about that. And then I would also feel joy over getting to do something just because I have the desire to do it. So for me to rewire that pattern, I want to be thinking about that idea. And then I want to also bring that elevated emotion into the mix. So as I'm sitting in meditation or just sitting and thinking throughout the day, because I'll sit and think about this stuff throughout the day, I'm melding the two together. And as I meld the two together, I know that I am creating new pathways in the brain. I am rewiring my brain to think in a different way. And once I'm thinking in a different way, again, going to the back to the physiology, as I think in a different way, new chemicals are going to be released into the body. New receptors are going to be built on the cells for this new way of thinking a new way of being in the world. My physiology is going to change as well as my emotional and spiritual side are also going to change. So that sounds really big and overwhelming, but it just starts with number one, the identification of the, the behavior thought, whatever it is, um, or even something you're doing physically in the world. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's, you know, you're wanting to have children, whatever it is. Um, it's, it's identifying that thing. So if it's something you don't want, identifying that you don't want to be this way in the world anymore, then you need to identify how you do want to be in the world. What, who is, who are you? What makes you tick? What makes you, you know, what inspires you? What lights you up? So then you want to identify that. Then you want to think on how will I feel? How do I feel attaining that? So you kind of want to do it in the present moment, like not that it's really far off, but it's like, this is what I want and this is how I feel when I do it. And as you meld those together, that's when you start making real change and moving forward. And again, you don't have to do all of these, all the things that are in your brain all together. Pick one, pick one thing that you're wanting to change for yourself, um, and start that process. And I want you to think about it every single day. So the, one of the best ways to do this is to, is to write it down. Um, because if you write it down, and again, you don't need to write some big, huge paragraph philosophical thing. It can just be a sentence of what it is that you're wanting to ch- wanting to do or to be or become, whatever that is, and the emotion with it. 
And I want you to sit down and look at those two things together every day. And I want you to think about that thing that you're trying to do. And I want you to feel, actually create the emotion in your body. You can create an emotion. Just like when, you know, you can, if you're on, you know, if you're going to work and maybe you'd had a, you know, an argument with your boss the day before, just by thinking about it, you can create that emotion to come back up in your body. It's not actually happening. It's in the past. It's already done, but you can create the emotion happening in your body just by thinking about it. So with on the positive side, because you usually think about it on the negative side, you know, all these, all these, you know, frustrations or what irritations or whatever, you know, what may have you, we can also do that on the positive side. So create the positive emotion and actually let yourself feel it. And this might take a little work if you're not used to doing that. So don't feel like, you know, if it doesn't happen on the first day and everything doesn't change in 24 hours, like we talked about last week, that it's not working. It takes some consistency of focus. And, And if you really want to make a change and you really want to have a different way of thinking, different behavior pattern, you know, again, create that life that you want for yourself, as opposed to the guidelines that are being, have been given to us, you know, since we were probably little kids, if you want to create new guidelines for your life, if you want to live in a different way than what, you know, society is telling you, what your family's telling you, what your friends are telling you, then you have to put in the effort of making that change. And the way you do that is to take some time to sit and be quiet Yes, I know. I'm bringing it up again. You have to sit and be quiet and go internal because number one, you have to identify the patterns. And and sometimes it's very helpful to work with a therapist or a counselor or life coach or whatever, because they can they can see things that you can't. So as you talk about your life and as you kind of lay things out for them. And, you know, be as open and real and honest as you can. They can identify things that you're not going to be able to see. So, again, once those are identified, well, now what do you want to replace them with? You know, what do you want for your life? What kind of guidelines do you want to create? You know, my ideal life, you know, if I was to put an ideal life out there, I would travel and speak and write and eat great food and drink coffee all over the world. That's what I would do. That is the life that I would live because it's you know, those are the things that I see. So if I want to do that, I can picture all of those things and then I can say, okay, this is how that would feel. And I can get as, as detailed as I want with what that looks like and how that's going to feel. And that's how I would create that change for myself because I have to bring the thought of what I want, not what I don't want, because that's where my energy wants to go is in the per, in being productive and where I want to go. But then I also need that emotion. And building those two together, I can create new guidelines for my life saying, this is what I want. This is who I am. And this is how I want to be in the world. And that it's my responsibility and it's up to me. And you you can create literally whatever you want. You can toss out the guidelines. You can get outside of the box. You can be whoever and whatever you want to be, whatever brings you joy, whatever makes you happy, whatever allows you to go through the process of, um, you know, feeling through emotion and feeling through your life. It is completely up to you. I'm giving you absolute permission today to create new guidelines for your life. I'm giving you permission to create some adventure and I've be giving you permission to go through grief and loss if that's what you're feeling because because that means that you have loved and that you love yourself. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I love being here as always, and I will see you next week.